Welcome to Financial Perspectives, the podcast, where we cover timely topics related to the current economic environment and keep you up to date on investment news. We also provide insights on how investors can maintain a long-term perspective. Please stick around at the end for important disclosure information. More information about Foster Group can be found in our ADV brochure at fostergrp.com. Happy New Year. It's 2024. At this time of year, lots of folks are looking back at the year that just ended and asking what happened. And many others are looking at the upcoming year and asking what will happen. You know, as we've said many times, this kind of activity usually gets far more attention than is useful or deserving because the future is always full of uncertainty and surprises. So I look back at the 2023 markets, we very short. It was in many ways a market year that ended up, I think, being a pleasant surprise for many. After starting the year with most market analysts predicting a recession and a tough year for stocks and bonds, the five broad indices that we follow most often all ended up with historically good to well above average returns. The S&P 500 of U.S. large company stocks, the Russell 2000 Index of small company U.S. stocks, the MSCI ASWDI, the All Country World Index XUSA, that's quite a mouthful, of companies outside the U.S. and the MSCI Emerging Markets Index, as well as the Bloomberg U.S. Aggregate for bonds, they all had returns ranging from just over 26% for the S&P to just over 5.5% for the Bloomberg Bond Index. The notable thing about 2023's broad market returns is that without November and December, most of these markets would have finished in flat to negative territory, with the exception of U.S. large companies. The S&P, led by the Magnificent Seven, was still up over 10% through October, even though it had been steadily declining since August. Then, to most everyone's surprise, in the last two months of 2023, these lagging markets produced what could be described as one to two years worth of gains, while the S&P 500 more than doubled its return for the year in the same eight weeks. This demonstrated, I think, once again, how markets are highly unpredictable, virtually impossible to time, and yet very rewarding, or potentially, to those who remain invested and are present to win. You know, each year has its own story, and most years end up being as volatile, surprising, and unpredictable as 2023, though not all of them with the same happy ending. For 2024, investors should expect more unpredictability and surprises along the way. With an election year, increased volatility from time to time is just the norm. Every year presents challenges. 2024 will likely be no different. So investors with a comprehensive financial plan and a portfolio constructed to match their time horizons and risk and return goals, well, they'll be well served to stick with that plan and focus on the things they can control to make progress. I recently came across this quote from modelthinkers.com. They wrote, compounding is the process of paying interest on interest, which results in exponential growth. More broadly, it is the exponential growth that arises through small, consistent, and accumulated progress. You know, the last line about exponential growth that arises through small, consistent, and accumulated progress, that kind of captures the message, I think, for investors going into 2024, or really any year. What small, consistent steps are in your control this year that if you complete them, can result in accumulated progress for years to come? Financial planning, I think, helps us discover these kinds of things. It addresses the whole of our lifespan and maybe beyond to that of our children and other causes we care about. But we progress on that plan little by little each year. 
for my wife Kim and me, small, consistent, and accumulated progress toward our financial goals has been greatly improved by the simple creation of an annual plan checklist that fits on one three by five card. I call this creatively our annual plan checklist, I know. And here's the seven steps that I use to get it started and keep it compounding year after year. Step one is simply create the long-term plan that addresses your goals and plans for the next 12 months, as well as the next 30 years. You know, we started working with our advisor, Brad, over 10 years ago. At the time we started, none of our four daughters were married, we had no grandchildren, and we could start to see the end of college expenses, we thought. When you tell people you have four daughters, they start to do the math on four educations, four weddings, and they wonder, hmm, when's the funeral? Maybe it's not quite that bad. I can tell you it's a lot better than that. But back to the important things that happened as we worked with Brad on our financial plan. With the help of a third party, Kim and I had some great conversations about what we wanted and hoped for in the next 12 months, as well as the next 20 to 30 years. This did include weddings and helping kids get started, as well as some regular travel, maybe some special trips in the future, home remodeling was on the list, retirement, charitable giving. The key was to get whatever was on our mind on the table so that we could hear each other and so that Brad could capture it and get everything into a multi-year plan that we could see. I really liked looking at the numbers. Kim liked looking at the pictures. We both really liked seeing the result of the plans and the goals. You know, steps two and three are pretty simple. Step two is simply identify the six to 10 small but measurable steps that you can control and take in the next 12 months as a result of that financial planning exercise. And then step three is write them on a three by five note card that you can refer to multiple times each month. Coming out of our two initial meetings with Brad, I was able to write down nine small things that we could do in the next 12 months that were in our control to get our plan underway, just nine and 12 months. And on one handwritten checklist on a three by five card, they range from spending money on a family trip to a summer family vacation in Breckenridge, adding savings for weddings and starting to save something even towards home down payments for the kids when they ultimately get married. What we found is that the short list on the card is easy to review and easy to stay accountable for through the year. I could check in with Brad, but I know now after some years of doing this that if we just concentrate on what we can control, the things in the card, good things tend to happen. Step four is the fun part. You get to check off each one as you take a step or complete it on that card. You might wanna write down the date that you completed it, the amount spent or saved, and anything else significant along the way. Step five is simply to review weekly that card starting in November to make sure you're gonna get things done by the end of the year. And you do that until everything is checked off or completed for the year and maybe you need to make some modifications along the way. You know, we've been doing a form of this process since 2015. And the amazing thing for me is the progress we made taking seemingly small steps each year. Four years ago, we decided to add opening and contributing to our now eight grandchildren's 529 college savings accounts on their birthdays and at Christmas. It's a relatively small amount since it's multiplied by eight, and I'm not sure that we're done at eight, but even after four years of small contributions and market growth, I was pleasantly surprised this Christmas when I looked at the balance in our six-year-old granddaughter's account. You know, I'm looking at each year's note card right now. I've saved them so that Kim and I can review them every December or January in time to have our annual goal and plan review with Brad. We come in reminded of the goals we've set many years ago, the ones we've seen achieved, and the satisfaction of looking back at progress towards others that are still to come. Some goals really seemed unrealistic when they set them, when we set them. One big goal that got just got checked off this past year was a new, at least new to us, house. 
We had been saving cash for three years to either add on to our home or to move. In June, the right home just emerged on the market because we had been preparing for three years. We decided we could make the decision quickly, knowing we had planned for it and the money was there. We just spent our first Christmas in the new place with our family of now 18 people and one really large dog, all visiting for over a week. I can tell you, I was really happy for the extra space. Now, each year on our list, there are usually one or two that we didn't quite get done in the way that we planned, but that's okay. Even for those, we likely made a little progress that we can build on for the next year. It's just that little by little, year by year, focused attention on these six to 10 actions has made our lives and the lives of our family that much better. And our measured progress just compounds our confidence and optimism that the goal is still out there. Well, they're still very possible. You know, the final regular step in any ongoing plan is to review it. Does it still contain the things most important to us? Have any goals changed? Does anything need to be eliminated, added? Are there dates that need to be modified for one reason or another? We look forward to this process now because we look forward to seeing progress, especially as it compounds. It is an optimism producing activity, I can tell you. When I look at the annual checklist cards, I could not tell you what the markets did that year, but I could tell you what we did. And I'm optimistic enough to believe that the long-term performance of markets will be good enough in whatever unpredictable pattern they occur that our goals can be met. Our role is just to control what we can control year by year with those small, consistent, and accumulating actions and to let the progress compound. In November of 2023, investing legend and Warren Buffett's partner, Charlie Munger, died at the age of 99 two months short of his 100th birthday. Poor Charlie's Almanac is a collection of the wit and wisdom of Munger. And if anyone understood compounding and helped others to understand it as well, it was Munger. He would remind listeners that the first rule of compounding is to never interrupt it unnecessarily. Remember those investment returns from 2023 that we talked about at the beginning? You know, anyone who was out of the market in November and December of this year violated that rule. I've found that focusing on our annual plan checklist and letting the plan-based portfolio do its thing year in, year out, month in, month out, has kept me from attitudes and actions that would unnecessarily interrupt the magic of compounding. Now, if you don't have a long-term financial plan, let 2024 be the year you get one. Sure, you can do it yourself, but maybe a good advisor would really open the door to progress and the freedom to realize your goals. If you're married, having a third party direct a financial conversation to clarify and capture your goals, I think it can be a game changer. I know it was for us. Then you can pick from the things you can control, put them on a simple card, and watch the compounding effect work in your favor from year after year. We're looking forward to this year. Lots of topics to talk about. 2024 for sure will be an interesting year in financial markets and the economy. We just don't always know what it's going to hold. There's going to be plenty of unpredictability and surprises along the way, but we're looking forward to sharing that year with you. We hope you'll join us regularly. We plan on producing these a few times each month. And if you have topics that you're interested in, please let us know. Until we talk again the next time, be well. The previous presentation by Foster Group was intended for general information purposes only. No portion of the presentation serves as the receipt of, or as a substitute for, personalized investment advice from Foster Group or any other investment professional of your choosing. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk, and it should not be assumed that future performance of any specific investment or investment strategy, or any non-investment related or planning services, discussion or content, 
will be profitable, be suitable for your portfolio or individual situation, or prove successful. Foster Group is neither a law firm nor accounting firm, and no portion of its services should be construed as legal or accounting advice. No portion of the content should be construed by a client or prospective client as a guarantee that he or she will experience a certain level of results if Foster Group is engaged, or continues to be engaged, to provide investment advisory services. A copy of Foster Group's current written disclosure brochure discussing our advisory services and fees is available upon request or at www.fostergrp.com disclosures.